You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. came to the house of the Lord to worship him tonight. Amen. He's worthy to be praised. I hope you came to the house of the Lord to worship him and to praise him. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Thank you for being in God's house for Bible study night. And uh, we're here to uh, study the word of God. And we're in a series. We've been going through a series uh, on on uh, skilled leaders and so we've been talking about being people of influence and uh, not just any type of influence but obviously a positive influence and I don't know about you but I want to be a positive influence I want the I want the people to see the Lord through my life I want my life to be an example of what God has done amen I want to be uh, a person of influence in a positive way. So we've been going through uh, four letters that Paul wrote, and um, he wrote them while he was in prison. We've studied uh, through Philemon, Titus, and now we're into Timothy. And, um, of course, uh, this is close to the end of Paul's ministry, and they're unique because they're written to personal, uh, they're personal letters written to individuals and not just to churches. And so you have Paul, who's kind of in a mentoring role, and he's been mentoring the lives of people like Philemon and Titus and Timothy. And uh, so Paul's uh, approaching it from the idea that he can speak freely to these men. They're, they're people that he's been uh, mentoring. And so when we're reading through uh, these books, we see Paul's direct um, instruction that's given to these men, and also how... That's relevant for us in 2023, because if we're going to be people of influence, then we, we've got to follow the word of God. And so when you're studying through what we have learned through Timothy so far, uh, chapter one of Timothy, Paul is uh, charging Timothy to fight for uh, the truth and to fight against error. And uh, he's dealing with false teaching and false uh, teachers and uh, and Paul says listen the truth is something worth fighting for it's worth uh, sticking up for it's worth to uh, study and to to learn then you see through chapter 2 of first Timothy where Paul's talking about prayer and how prayer has to be a priority uh, if we're going to be a skilled uh, person of influence prayer needs to be part of our lives okay we, we can't dwell on only our personal flesh because let me tell you, you can't trust your flesh. And so we need to be people of prayer. And Paul emphasizes that prayer is a necessity. And uh, uh, it, when we pray, uh, we can't just pray what we want. And we can't just pray what we want God to do, especially if we're not willing to do what he already wants us to do. And so it's very uh, important that we have a prayer life. And then chapter 3, Paul lists uh, qualifications for senior leaders. He also lists qualifications for people of influence, second leaders. He makes it 
uh, obvious that everyone that's trying to be a personal uh, person of influence uh, needs to focus on character and not just competence. Yes, we want competent people, but competence will never succeed character. We must have character. And he talks to Timothy about the high privilege that we have of being a skilled leader. He says that he's a pillar or what we would know as a display. Uh, he's the ground. He's the protection of the truth. And he's emphasizing to uh, Timothy that, you know what? You need to be apostolic, Timothy. And so here's some ideas about character. Chapter 4, uh, he's reacting to a warning that's given to the Ephesians in Acts chapter 20 where he's talking about uh, teaching that may cause people to change doctrine, change lifestyle, change conviction. Uh, those, all those things uh, making changes would make us apostate. And he's not wanting us to, to do that. He wants us to be apostolic. In 2023, we need an apostolic church. We need people that go back to the beginning of the foundation of the apostles' doctrine. Amen. I want to be a person of influence. I got to go back to where it started. And last week in chapter 5, we talked about relationships with elders in the church and the principle uh, dealing with elders, of course, is honoring. And uh, Paul gives us many examples of, of widows and he, and, and he talks throughout that chapter of how we can be a person of influence. And, and uh, so we've learned uh, quite a bit through even the book of Timothy. Tonight, Paul ends this book with an interesting topic. He turns his attention to the issue of money. And um, money has maybe the greatest potential to replace God in our lives. And how leaders, how individuals, how apostolics handle money either qualifies or disqualifies us as a person of influence. We can hurt our influence if we handle money wrong. Okay, I'll just give you an example. You owe a bill and you never, you think, well, I'm just not going to pay that. Let me tell you, your influence will be effect, affected by that decision. And so it's important. So Paul, uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit through this chapter. And uh, he's going to give us uh, uh, many examples that he's going to speak to us through here in the Word of God. So uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. So at the time that Paul wrote this epistle, you have to understand the setting. It's estimated at that time that half of Rome's population were slaves to the other half of the population. And so many slaves, um, they, even though they may have had a good life um, at, that, at that time, they were not considered persons. They were not looked at as being an individual. They were owned. They were property. And so what's happening in this period, he's writing to Timothy, of course you can imagine that the gospel being preached uh, uh, is embraced by many that are under that affliction. And uh, rightfully so. I mean, here comes the gospel that's free to all. Not just to the masters, but also to the servants. 
And so you had a lot of people who were servants or slaves at that time that were uh, uh, becoming Christians. Uh, and as their duties allowed, they were uh, partaking in the fellowship and the assembly uh, of uh, what was happening in that day. Um, however, uh, it also caused a problem because some people found that their new bound freedom in Christ also gave them an excuse to disobey who they belong to. Now, we could talk about that for a bit, and it, it gets uh, corrected down the road, but what Paul is uh, uh, talking about here is they needed to learn that their spiritual freedom in Christ did not uh, uh, cause them to, or should not cause them to ignore their social position in life. Just because we become a Christian doesn't mean we become free from all responsibilities. That's what Paul's bringing across. And so he's telling these newborn Christians, listen, you've got, uh, you've got a position in church. Yes, God has accepted you. Yes, God has forgiven you. Yes, God has saved you. But you also have to understand uh, during that day, you are also owned by or the property of. And so he's trying to get a principle across. And how's that principle come across to us today? Well, hopefully, a very, very few places, hopefully in the world, that uh, still has to deal with the same scenario that was happening in Rome in that day. But how it comes across to us as individuals in 2023 is uh, how we are employees to employers. And that's a very important part of how we're going to be a positive influence. So in chapter 5, Paul's to Paul told us to treat our fellow Christians with honor. And now he extends that principle not just to people in the church, but he also extends it to now we actually need to treat people properly outside the church as well. Very important. And he uses the phrase under the yoke. It means joined by obligation. And so this certainly applies to our job or our employment. And uh, a Christian who is disrespectful, disrespectful or argues all the time or is dishonest or, or even lazy is not a positive influence in society to the unsaved. Okay, I didn't even expect to get too many amens, but it doesn't matter. If you got a job and you're working for someone who doesn't know the Lord, it's important that you fulfill your obligation. That means being on time and actually staying until you're supposed to. Um, because this is what he says. He doesn't want the employer, the master, to blaspheme. Or what that means is to speak evil of. Well, I thought they were a Christian. I didn't think Christians did it that way. I didn't think Christians lived that way. And so what Paul's saying, listen, don't let it be that your lifestyle of living for God is spoken badly of by the employer. Now, listen, I know there's exceptions that you sometimes have employers that are just. 
You can fill in the blank. But that's not, that's not the, the majority. Most people are employers because they've gained respect of people and they've worked hard to maybe get to that, that place. And, and Paul's saying, listen, uh, it's amazing how our human nature uh, can affect people in how we act, even at work. And Paul's talking to Timothy about this 2,000 years ago. And what's interesting, it has not changed for centuries. It hasn't changed. Paul admonishes employees who have saved employers. He says, uh, because it's all too often that the case that maybe a Christian uh, uh, who works for someone who's also saved uh, uh, maybe looks at their boss as their just as their brother or sister, and, and maybe that's an excuse for poor performance. Neither way is positive influence. The influence is whether your employer is saved or unsaved, you want to be a positive influence towards them and how you work. There's something about just giving your best at whatever you do. There's something about that. And so Paul is, he's, he's speaking about it in the terms of there should be no excuse for poor performance on the job. Rather, we should think and act at work no different than we would at church. That all right? You don't speak badly about things at church. You shouldn't do it at work. You leave out the swearing at church, you should also leave it out at work. You don't tell dirty stories at church, you shouldn't listen or tell them at, at work. You don't need a smoke break at church, you probably shouldn't have one at work. Is that all right? I'm just talking about being a positive influence. Okay? Uh, what happens is uh, Paul gives us, some, uh, gives us some examples here. He says, don't despise. Don't despise. It literally means uh, to show no esteem. You don't want to show no esteem to your boss. You want to lift them up. You want them to look good. You want them to feel good about themselves. You want them to actually be glad they hired you. <laughs> and not looking for a way to get rid of you. Be the last person on the list to have to go. <laughs> yeah. He says do service, literally or figuratively. Serve Serve to the best of your ability. Let it be that the job you have is because the boss wants you to have it, and he wants you to keep it, and he wants you to grow, and he's not, he's not looking at the minimum required. He's looking at you going the second mile. It gives you a, a positive influence with, with people in the world. He also says be a benefit a worker of good is what it means for your boss. Um, uh, are you a burden at work or are you a blessing? <laughs> no, I'm just asking you seriously. Think about it. Ask yourself, am I a burden at work or am I a blessing? Am I, am I a person that the boss is glad he hired or would he just as soon get me fired? Okay, that's... Again, because it makes a big difference in how 
what kind of an influence you are. If we're going to be skilled people, we want to be positive influence in church and out of church. Okay. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, he says, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil uh, surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. He says, from such, withdraw thyself. Um, Timothy uh, was dealing with pseudo-spiritual people even 2,000 years ago, just like we are today. And this is, you know, you hear the term, um, I don't totally agree with this term, but I understand the meaning behind it. And people will say they're so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. <laughs> they, got, they always got a word from God to give to others, but their talk isn't backed up by their walk. And um, what happens is that doesn't become a positive influence. And so Paul's teaching Timothy and Titus. He says, listen, what we teach, he's speaking about doctrine, uh, must be according to godliness. It must be according to what we say is how we act. What, what we represent is who we are. It must be reflected in our lifestyle. And so the context for godliness is what you do at work is just as important as what you do at home or at church. That's, I, to me, folks, we're, if we're going to be the influence we have to be in 2023, we have to be the same person everywhere all the time. And uh, Paul's, you know, Paul's painting a, and not a very flattering picture here uh, of uh, pseudo-spiritual people. Okay, he's, he's, uh, he says, listen, uh, first of all, they're proud. That means they're lifted up with pride. They're, they're inflated with conceit. Uh, and, and the phrase that's being uh, used here is enveloped by smoke. Um, more spiritual than anyone else. All the while hiding behind smoke and mirrors themselves. So they got a word from everyone else, got a word to share with everyone else, but their own lifestyle isn't backing up the walk. Paul says, withdraw yourself from that type of person. That's what he says. No, knowing nothing, the phrase means not even comprehending the basics. So they have all kinds of spiritual revelation, but are not even following the basics of what God has for every person. Um, the fundamentals of Christian life are, are more important, folks, than some supernatural revelation that you thought you got. Uh, Brother Dudley always used to say it this, this way. He said, I don't care how high you jump as long as you walk straight when you come down. The idea is not to be so super spiritual that we don't follow the fundamental basics of our Christian walk each and every day. What does that mean? Well, 
we can all we can be totally on fire at church but if we're not acting as Christians on Tuesday we've really um, we're not being the greatest influence we could be and uh, if you come to church on Wednesday and lose your salvation on Thursday and I mean that in not a literal sense but the idea is like I want to be you need to be we all should be Christians every day okay so that's um, that's whatever circumstance we find ourselves in to be a positive influence and and Paul saying listen the fundamentals of Christian walk are important every day he says doting about questions and strifes of words the word doting means having a, a diseased appetite hungering for the wrong things harping hankering about things that really don't matter see that the, the argument or the the minor matters sometimes gets people so far out in left field that they forget that there's a a road that's straight and narrow that God wants us to walk on and and Paul's saying listen um, we got to be we got to be careful that we don't get caught up in the little things um, that are in other people's eyes when we got a whole beam in our own <laughs> Paul didn't say that but that's what he's talking about and so the idea behind it is uh, listen he said let's let's be careful uh, Timothy about people who are, are trying to portray as so spiritual that they don't have the basics down in their walk with God see the fruit of a pseudo spiritual people is not spiritual he says this it's actually envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings and perverse disputings in, in other words it's an arguing mentality rather than a submitting mentality and that's not a positive influence Well, let me explain it to you this way. You can go to church, hear 45 minutes of preaching or teaching. And if you're the person that picks out the one thing that was wrong instead of the 40 minutes that was right, maybe take note of yourself. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what Paul's trying to... Listen, be careful, he says. Not to be into... A mentality of causing uh, he uses this this phrase destitute of the truth that actually means robbing themselves of truth and rather instead of discovering truth I, I don't want to be a robber of truth God just help me to be right help me to hear it right help me to understand it better help me to grow help me to mature help me to be what you want me to be God I'm I'm not where I should be yet I, I want you God to keep helping me grow every day I want to be farther down the road serving you a year from now if you tear than I am today God help me to grow in you yeah that's the idea so in the context of employment he says that people suppose that gain is godliness 
And um, that's, that could be very far, actually, from the truth of what's happening in people's lives. Just because someone is making gain does not mean it's godliness. Uh, gain is not always godliness. In fact, how, it's rare that that's the case. However, godliness, he says, with contentment is great gain. So just because I look like I'm getting ahead doesn't mean that I'm actually a positive influence. I could be stepping on all kinds of people to get that. That's not what Paul's saying is a good idea. He says, but godliness, verse 6, with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us uh, be there with content. But they that uh, will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, living a godly life is always great gain. Okay, it's always going to be gain. Maybe not always in this world, but it is always great gain eternally. And, uh, and, and Paul's stating if we live that with contentment, uh, that's great gain. And there's an inner uh, sufficiency that keeps us at peace no matter what the outward circumstances is in our life. And Paul's referring here, I know, to financial circumstances. But the context is the same no matter what we're facing. Sometimes the circumstances in our life seem unfair. Had any of those? I mean, you look at some circumstances in your life and you say, I, I, don't, I don't know how I deserve this. It seems unfair. But Paul says you approach living life with contentment. Doesn't mean we shouldn't have ambition and strive to be better and to do our best and all of that. But folks, sometimes it doesn't just work out. But godliness with contentment, he said, is great gain. And not only is that in financial matters of our life, but in all circumstances of our life. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry both in, uh, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The word contentment that's in 1 Timothy 6 and 6 uh, also has the sense of being self-satisfied. That is being satisfied with the light that God has given us and not always chasing after some pipe dream. Paul's saying, whatever state you are, to be content. Folks, he's writing that from prison. That's, that's someone saying it who's not living on top of the mountain in societal perspective, but in a godly perspective, he was, he was king of the hill. That's how he looked at it. And so, uh, and sometimes being, um, 
envious of the blessings of others, folks, or striving for material gain uh, will cause us to neglect our walk with God. So if someone comes to me and says, Pastor, you know, I, I've got a great job opportunity in such and such a place. Well, I'm not against them having a great job opportunity, obviously. But my first question is always, is there, is there a church there? Because at the end of the day, you could have a great job opportunity and not have a church. And folks, what looks like a blessing can actually be a curse. So you have to look at, okay, God, I, I don't want to just strive after uh, materialistic things. I want the blessing that you want in my life because that's what you want in my life. And he uses this phrase, uh, we brought nothing into the world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. I mean, we, we quote that at, uh, at uh, uh, committals, at, at times of funeral, and, and I understand that as well, but that's also a verse for us while we're alive. That's not just for people who have passed on. Listen, a life that's not dedicated to eternal things while we're alive is a wasted life. Oh, it can, we can gain all the things that life thinks is important, but if we don't have eternal life, I don't want to have a wasted life. God, I want to be a positive influence. I don't want to wait to a certain age to grow up. God, I want to grow up now. I want to be what you want me to be now. And, uh, you know, he uses if you got food and raiment, that's literally a, a covering, so it would refer to clothing or to shelter. Uh, you've got the basics, and there to be content. Uh, and that's, that's, folks, that's pretty basic. <laughs> but he says, you've actually got what you need. And then he uses, he uses this example of money, uh, and he gives it across to us that it has the greatest potential to actually replace God in our lives. If I'm always striving for more in this material life, it will probably end up with me having less in my spiritual life. Because my focus can be on the wrong things. He says, listen, it's, that'll cause you to fall into a temptation and a trap, uses the word snare. And they will give in to many foolish and hurtful longings. He uses the word lust there. And... Uh, uh, and, and he says, those who think they're experiencing gain are actually experiencing loss. I don't want my life, I don't want my life to be that I focused on just having stuff. Because stuff doesn't mean that you are successful. He uses the phrase, the love of money is the root of of all evil. Of course, it's not money that is evil because money is necessary to exist in our society. It's the love of money that is evil. In fact, he says it's the root of all evil. And the word that's being used there uh, is uh, philagiria, which is the sense of covetousness or always wanting more. Um, 
When people put money ahead of God, I tell people this. Two things happen with money. You either control it or it controls you. And it's very important that you know who's in control. Because, folks, that has the possibility of ruining your spiritual walk. I'm not preaching against having finance. I'm not. You need it to live. But when it supersedes the priority of your walk with God in any sense, you got to take a step back and see if it's out of balance in your life. Well, I need more to live, Pastor. Well, uh, it might be that God will provide a better job. It might be that you need to sell some stuff. I think we have to step back and say, um, listen, I'm not here to try to scare you. But folks, the money system is not going to always last. That's the truth. Okay. I mean, if we think that it's always going to be, uh-uh, it's not. I mean, there's a push. Have you, have you noticed since COVID the push for non, uh, ha- having cash and check and all that stuff? I mean, there's a push against that, folks. And, and that's not, it's not going to get better. It's actually going to get worse. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to scare people about that. I'm just saying you got to take a step back and say, what's the most important thing here? Because it can't be your love for money. Don't allow that to be. He says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. He's exhorting Timothy, Timothy, live different than the world. He even says, flee. That means to separate yourself, Timothy. Separate yourself from the materialistic mentality of the world. Listen, materialistic mentality will destroy your walk with God because you will be you will be under the power of the lender. Instead of using the energy to run towards what God has for our lives, like righteousness, he says, and godliness and faith and love and patience and meekness, it will cause us to strive, strive uh, in the wrong direction. He says, listen, I want you to fight the good fight of faith. I don't want you wasting all your energy on things that are not profitable. Okay? So I, I'm, uh, I'm balancing the act here between you need finance to live, but folks, it can't be everything that you're chasing after. And, and, and Paul is telling Timothy, let there be many witnesses, Timothy, that are watching you that you are not controlled by money. Don't allow that to happen. 
And then he goes on to say, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witness a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Paul is uh, he's using again, and he's done this many times through the uh, First Timothy. He says, I give thee charge. He's using this military voice uh, of charge and he's telling he's telling timothy uh uh god will quicken you timothy he'll bring all things uh, he'll enable you he'll help you to please him just keep him the focus timothy if you got him the focus the scripture says he will not see the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread Keep him first in your life, Timothy, and God will enable you through all of what's happening. He's, he, and uh, and he's, he's giving a clear uh, description here, the commandments to live without spot, spot. That's unblemished and unrebukable. That's blameless. And, and, and he's, he's, he's saying, Timothy, listen, there's, there's an ability to be a positive influence in society even when money's involved. I have to tell you, uh, for the past 30-some years, I've been involved in helping people uh, with financial planning. It's not why I came here. It's not uh, an advertisement. I'm just giving you a background of what I'm going to say. And so I've watched sensible, normal families <laughs> have one person pass away with a little bit of money and the family all of a sudden becomes crazy I'm serious and it doesn't have to be a lot of money all of a sudden people that got along acted normal used common sense all of a sudden has lost it And all based upon maybe a little bit of money that was left. I've watched it destroy people. And it doesn't take a lot. Well, what is that? What is that that happened? Did people just all of a sudden go off their rocker? No, just a little bit of money, folks, can change people in how they act. Paul says, God is the only being who has immortality. And he says, listen, what's important is you and I, because of Jesus Christ, we have access to that immortality. So what's happening in this world is not what really matters. In the end result, well, hell, you know what? I was left out of the will. <laughs> I was forgotten about. Folks, that will not take away your immortality. 
It might change your positive influence if you're not careful. I didn't say it was fair. Some things are not fair. But immortality is the end goal. And he uses it. Paul uses it. He says, listen, um, he uses it in that scripture that is read to you. Immortality. God is the one who's holy. And no man can approach him than through Jesus Christ who has allowed us the possibility of being holy. Well, how does, how does that matter, Pastor? Well, you may have thought you were in line for a raise at work and someone else got it. And how you respond may affect your influence positively or negatively. Don't ever underestimate that it might just be a test. God has a way, folks, of bringing people up and bringing people down. Don't allow yourself to change your influence from being positive. God is holy. He know nothing gets by him. He's got it. God is a spirit. He's the, he says, uh, so he cannot be seen, but you and I can experience because Jesus Christ came as man. We get to see. People get to see Jesus through our lives. Is God standing there in front of them in person? No. But the Spirit of God is in your life. And your influence is affecting them. And it might be just how you respond to a negative situation that changes people's direction because of how you approached it. See, it seems odd to us that Paul would end his epistle to a young leader talking about money. I, I, he just wrote five chapters that we have, and now he's going to end this book with a talk to this young man of God with, about money. And um, it would appear like the coming of the Lord would maybe be a better topic to talk about. I mean, that seems to be maybe a more appropriate ending until we realize that money maybe has the greatest potential to actually change our lives for the coming of the Lord. And so Paul steps back and says, the coming of the Lord's going to happen. I got to make sure Timothy's ready. And he says, Timothy, Here's what you need to beware of. Okay, we're almost done. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. These verses are written uh, to them that are rich in the world, which includes... Of course, all of us, even though we might not see ourselves as having uh, maybe a great amount of money, uh, we're rich. Um, you have to understand that people in North America, um, 
the average income that we have in North America is in, in the top 5% of the world. We're, we're, we're rich. What happens is sometimes we live in it so long that we don't realize that we're blessed. That we're very blessed. And uh, uh, incomes around the world, 95% of the world makes less money than you and I. Okay, I've been to places where the average income is maybe 30 to $50 a month. We're blessed. You can pick up bottles and make that much. He says, do good. Use money to accomplish something good for God's kingdom. Be rich, he says, in good works. That's being spiritual, spiritually wealthy, ready to distribute, have a plan to be able to help others, willing to communicate, be a sharer, be liberal, be generous in how you treat people. See, the only way to break the grip of money in our lives is by giving. If you're having trouble with it, give some of it away. Find someone in need. I could spend a whole few minutes right there, but I don't have time. 1 Timothy 6 and 20. This is the end of the chapter. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. And so he says, God has committed the truth of the gospel uh, to you, Timothy. And uh, make sure it's the most important task uh, of your life. And he says this in this ending of this book. He says, Timothy, I want you to keep it. Don't allow your influence. He's talked this whole chapter about money. Don't allow your influence of what has happened in your life to be affected by money. Keep what has happened to you, Timothy. And Paul's telling Timothy to avoid that which is profane. The word means to uh, cross a threshold. It has the sense of leaving one, uh, what one has been taught. And, and, and sometimes people's thinking and conversations and activities and, and, and things that get them all messed up. Paul says, listen, avoid those. Get your eye on what got you to where you are spiritually and keep that. At the end of the day, that's what's going to matter, Timothy. That's what's going to matter. Not going to matter how big a house you have and how nice a car you have. None of those things is going to matter at the end, folks. What matters is you've kept the faith. You've kept the fight. You have held on to what God has uh, given you from the beginning. And he says, uh, Paul says, avoid the other. He uses the word science from the Greek word gnosis. And it refers to a, a, a specific group in the first century, the Gnostics, which claimed to have a, a new revelation that was greater than what the apostles taught. And he says their teaching, their teaching divided the material wor world from the spiritual world where the material world became more important than the spiritual. Folks, I don't want to fall into that. That's, that's not something that happened in the last 50 years or 100 years. That's been going on for 2,000 years. And Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, don't allow yourself to get caught up in that. 
Let me tell you, church, there's going to be opportunities to tempt you. Seriously. There's going to be financial opportunities at times to tempt you. Some people marry people because they got money. That don't mean they're a good person. It could be a thief. Some people make career changes based only on money. Not that it's not important, but it's not the most important thing. Will it cause you to have less time with your family? Will it cause you to be away from church more than you've ever been? Will it cause you to buy stuff you don't need? Pastor's in the pulpit tonight. See, it's not just wrong motives that cause people to go astray. It's also wrong actions, wrong desires, wrong ambitions. And um, some people have fallen away in their walk with God because they got caught up in the material things of this world. And some people may look like they're doing well according to society. But maybe their walk with God is far from what it used to be. And what Paul's saying, if you want to be a skilled person of influence, don't allow money to change you. If you go home tonight and you take one thing out of this message, don't allow money change you. God, I thank you for your people. I thank you for this church. Thank you for the blessings of this church. Thank you how you've blessed the people of this church. And God, we're thankful for your blessings. And we're thankful for, Lord, the things that you've uh, placed into our being. And God, I'm thankful for that. And I don't want to be unthankful. But God, I pray above everything else in this world, Lord, let every person that's under the sound of my voice tonight, in person, online, listening or watching, whatever the situation is, God, let our focus be on our walk with you and being a person of influence greater than anything this world would offer. No matter what the world is putting in front of us as a, an opportunity, God, or as some type of temptation or even a snare, God, I pray, let us be wise. Let us be wise in how we live for you. Help us, God, to be good employees. Help us to, good, to be good employers. Help us, God, to be a good Christian, God, not only at church, but also, God, in the world that we live. Let your power and spirit work through our lives, God, that we are a positive influence to every person we meet. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being in Bible study tonight. God bless you. Thank you for joining us online. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.